Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. I, I don't have connections in the wrestling world, and I wasn't a good wrestler. I don't really have a wrestling background. When I kind of started getting into this whole thing, people were like, who the heck is this guy? We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. I've missed you. I love you. My guest today, Stalemates host, Zach Bogle. If you haven't heard of Stalemates, go to YouTube, check out Zach's videos. He has some incredible content covering the wrestling world, and I really enjoyed this conversation. Fan of the week goes to my man, Eddie J. Burnell, 93 on the gram. Eddie, you've been a longtime listener and are not shy about sharing which podcasts you listen to on Instagram. So I really appreciate that, man. Folks, if you want to support the show, please go to our online store. That's store.wrestlingchangemylife.com. We have t-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, stickers, all kinds of good stuff. All proceeds go to support this fine show. That's store.wrestlingchangemylife.com. That's it, folks. Let's give it up for Mr. Stalemates himself, Zach Bogle. Zach Bogle, welcome to the podcast, my friend. How are you? What's up, man? I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we're doing this. This is going to be fun. Yes, it, yes, indeed. Now, before we get into it, I've been listening to some of your old episodes. We got the kale poster in the background. Did you buy the Iowa State robe off the marketplace? Uh, I did not, but it's it's actually a crazy story. So um, I talked about that in the Kyvin Gadsden interview, which it's funny because he's on, he's also on your show today, right? Yeah. That's how uh, I found it. I was prepping for that one. And I'm like, oh, shit, two birds, one stone. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I had found that Facebook post before I did that interview with Kyvin. And then it's crazy because it actually ties into Kyvin because Kyvin would wear that robe that was his dad's. And uh, so it was, that, was, that was one big coincidence with the robe. And then I do the interview with Kyvin. He's like, you need to get that right now. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, well, you know surely it'll still be on there after this interview after the interview is over the marketplace listing said it was sold so i'm like man he was right you know i should have went and bought it and then i kid you not after that after that episode dropped one of my uh listeners or whatever had tweeted dm me saying hey i'm actually the one who bought the rope so somebody that listens to it <laughs> my shows he already it's not like he i mean my stuff's not live so it's not like he's like heard about it live and then went and bought it he just coincidentally went and bought it so i messaged him i was like hey man if you ever want to get rid of that 
I am your guy. We'll figure out a price. We'll figure out a deal, but do not sell that to anybody else without at least letting me have the opportunity to buy it. So no, I don't have it, but I know where it's at and I know who has it. Wasn't it stupid cheap though, when you were recording the interview? It was like $40. Yeah. I mean, I, I even offered, oh, the, I offered the guy a lot more, but you know, he's a big cycling fan. So at least it went to another cycling fan. And, uh, he's, I think it was, I think he told me that the lady just like happened to, you know, I just think she thought it was just a robe that an Iowa state fan had. And she didn't know that it was actually like part of history. So dude, those things could go for, I mean, maybe a, a thousand, who knows? I mean, a couple hundred, at least that's memorabilia. You know, I mean, that's, it should be in the hall of fame, but some, yeah. somebody, somebody has it. I'm trying to have it. So indeed. Well, you know, you're, uh, you're in Des Moines, Iowa, a uh, cyclone fan, as you mentioned, we got a lot of sports in the background. You know, I'm in Chicago about a mile from Wrigley. So yeah. we're, uh, I love that you got the Cubs going for folks who don't know you, um, who aren't on the, uh, the wrestling Twitterverse, which is just on fire right now, yeah. introduce yourself and uh, share with us, uh, how you got this awesome show called stalemates. Um, so yeah, I'm, uh, I'm from Iowa and as you know, and most people know it's wrestling country around here. Um, I grew up around the sport. I always wrestled from like second grade to high school and stopped after that. Wasn't that good at it. Um, you know, my best season, I was like 30 and 15, but like never, never really had aspirations to be, um, much better than that. And basically, you know, just always loved the sport. I think I started going to Iowa State dual meets in 2000, uh, here and there in 2000, like 10, 11, 12. And then 2013, I went to Iowa State. And from there, I just went to every single dual meet and then um, gone to D Division One Nationals every year since 2010. So just just a really big fan, uh, big fan of wrestling, big fan of wrestling media and, you know, the shows that are coming up, you know, throughout the years. And I just kind of was like, you know what? I like doing video production stuff. Uh, I like to think I'm pretty creative. And I said, what, what's missing out there? And I just, you know, quarantine happened. I thought, you know what, let's just give it a go. And here we are. Uh, I don't know how many months later, I think we've done like 60 videos by now and, and uh, just loving it, man. Dude, my favorite is Joey the Needle. Is that the only non-wrestling episode? That is so actually, well, kind of. So in the very beginning, you know, we were trying to figure out, um, I'm, I'm not sure how it was with you, but in the very beginning, I was just like, well, let's figure out what our angle is. What do we want to do? And we would do a little bit of MMA. So I would do like a MMA gambling show. So I would give out like picks <laughs> and my buddy, uh, who also super into MMA, but he's not a wrestling guy. He's just an MMA guy. Uh, you know, we would do a gambling show. And so I was like, well, maybe we'll do wrestling and MMA. And then eventually it was just like the wrestling thing was doing so well. We just kind of stayed in that direction. And honestly, that's probably my area of like expertise over like MMA. Um, when I say expertise, I mean that lightly, but, um, <laughs> but we, so we would, you know, do a little bit of everything. The Joey, the needle thing was just a crazy story in my hometown. And I want to do more interviews like that. You know, we did the, the Tom brands one, which was similar, like sit down style, um, and the Joey the Needle story was so crazy. And I had bought his book and read it in like two days. And I said, you know what? Let's just uh, let's just do it. And if people are either going to like it or they're, or they're not. And it actually ended up being like, I think it's like our second highest viewed video right now. And people people really liked it. Joey's a, a you know interesting story. And, and you know, we want to do kind of more um, those kind of style of, of storytelling, you know, and, and talk about some of the stories that aren't, aren't really as well known as some of the you know the bigger storylines in our sport 
uh, the needle though was just kind of like it was a no-brainer. We wanted <laughs> we wanted to do that. He's he's a he's a crazy guy, and I mean that in a really good way. He's a, he's the best guy. He's one of those guys that you tell somebody who knows him like, hey, we're we're interviewing the needle, and they just smile. And so anybody that's like that, if you if you're barely in the wrestling world, or or if we just think it's a good story, we we might do it. So he, what's his story though? He was convicted uh, steroid dealer, and is he yeah. from your hometown? Is that the connection? He's from my hometown, um, and I, and like I said, I've always kind of known the story a little bit. Um, I'm just kind of fascinated with that kind of stuff for some reason. I'm wired that way that I just like, you know, the 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 mom movies. He's not Italian, but like old old Italian crime stuff. Oh, the uh, best. Yeah, the best. And, and he's kind of like that. He's kind of like a Joe Pesci in a way, and and. Uh, yeah, he's from my hometown. He he started he got into selling steroids and uh, just had a wild life selling steroids. And you know, at the same time, how it kind of ties into stalemates a little bit is he was coaching a UFC fighter. So there's like I'm from a really small town. We're actually pretty well known uh, for wrestling in Iowa, but we have a guy who was fought on like the second overall UFC card ever. And uh, this guy actually even knocked out Alistair Overeem. His name's Bobby Hoffman. And so at the same time that Joey was selling steroids, he was also coaching Bobby Hoffman all over the country. <laughs> so, they, so they were just, they were just traveling around the U S so they were going to Hawaii. They were going to Utah everywhere. And Joey was selling steroids, doing what he was doing. Also coaching this heavyweight who was just this crazy person that was just knocking everybody out. And so the stories that they have is just, you know, it's, it's amazing. Just slinging the juice nationwide, huh? Yeah, the needle, man. That's such a good nickname. God, I, I love the video. And um, were you in like some kind of old theater that you rented out? Or do you live yeah. there? That's what I kind of, no, I don't I don't live there. So that's actually in my hometown. So uh, my wife's family owns that building. And it used to be a mason lodge. And so we walked up there. Oh, I've been up there a few times. But um I kind of pride myself on trying to do like, you know, cool sets for these, some of these interviews, like the Tom one and the Willie one, I kind of dropped the ball a little bit, but um, I want to do like these cool, really dramatic sets. And I was like, you know what, we need to do it up there. And it's funny if you go up there, I don't know if you've ever been in a Mason lodge, but um, I'm a Mason random and my grandpa's one. And so I got grandfathered in. I'm like fourth generation. So I've been, I've been the three times that I had to get brought in, but that was it. But yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It just really, theatrical and I don't even know anything about the Mason life or whatever but um it's it's you walk in there and the needle walked in he goes man I feel like I'm walking into court right now <laughs> <laughs> because he's uh you know he's been through that but yeah that, that was an old Mason lodge in my hometown that's no longer in use but it's it's beautiful so dude those old uh you know those small towns I'm from a small town right in the Quad City area about 6,000 people, you know, there's those old abandoned buildings and I figure that's what it was. What about the production crew? Is that standard for you or is that special for that one? There's a shitload of people there. Special for that one. So, um, like we were talking a little bit off air, I'm pretty, I'm pretty particular with, uh, how I want things to look, um, for certain things. And so that was going to be a higher production thing. And I, I don't know about you, but when I'm doing an interview, whether it's zoom or anything like that, I'm trying to focus on the subject. So as many distractions as I can take away from that, I'll bring in a production crew. So that way I don't have to worry about, is that camera recording? Is the battery okay? Is the memory card okay? Is the mics, you know, stuff like that. So something bigger like that, I want to focus more on who we're talking to and less about all those little things that somebody else should be worrying about. So, so we had, we had a, a film production crew kind of, I say that lightly, but they, they do 
really good work and uh we brought them in and it was a lot of fun dude i was out in des moines uh, two times, once in August, once in September for interviews. Um, most of them are done over Zoom, but if I'm doing a documentary, they'll be done in person. And both of those were in person. And I was doing it solo. I've always done it solo. And it's like, to your point, you're checking the freaking batteries, you're checking yeah. the wiring. And yeah. only ab- the most nerve wracking part is when you watch it all afterwards and make sure it all worked. You know? Oh, and- yes. There's no people who Ooh. don't, people who don't uh, do this um, won't know that feeling of like, there's so many different things. Like you're worrying about the pre-production stuff. Then you're worrying about the actual interview and the content. Like, did you do a good job? And then there's that time period. There's that few hours of, all right, nice to meet you. Thanks for doing this to how fast can I get to my computer to make sure that everything is there. And then once it is, you're like, thank goodness, like there. And then it's like, okay, let me get it. Let me get this all done. So that way I don't ruin, you know, something, you know? Absolutely. No, it's a, you know, and sometimes you don't get, yeah. I, when I was interviewing John Smith the first time, the my primary boom mic, the one you can't even see, it's like the most expensive mic I got. It's my primary one, wasn't working. Thank God I had backups, but it's shit like that where it'll, yeah. it'll ruin your week, you know, because you only get like, you know, John Smith, you, you, you're, you know, imagine asking him, Hey, can we do that again? You know, he's just gonna be like, oh. you know what I'm saying? You don't even want to think about that. No, so, I don't like people ask if I get nervous for stuff like this. I'm like, I mean, I've been, I've been nervous. I'm not gonna act like I'm not been nervous, but the most nerve wracking thing for me is like the stuff you can't control. Like did the mic work? Did the camera work? And so like, as soon as that's, that's taken care of by somebody else, I'm like, cool. I'm not, that's not, that's not me anymore. That's them. Absolutely. So, so you, uh, so you're really going about this in a strategic way and you can tell the quality of your stuff is incredible. Um, for folks who, who maybe aren't as familiar with Twitter world, you really, in my opinion, got, Twitter famous based on your coverage of the wheelie trials. Um, but then you also do interviews, but outside of the interviews, you're known for kind of your, I don't want to say hot takes, but kind of like the soup or like the onion where you're, you you have a, you know, just a fun wheel and kind of thing. And you're not afraid to step on toes. Um, talk about the wheelie trials and, and I don't know a freaking thing about them. So start me from square zero, but how did that kind of lead up to where you're at now? The wheelie trials, um, so, yeah, I mean, when, when we started this thing, it wasn't like, like, I'm not trying to be like controversial just to be controversial. Um, but, but my thing is like the whole call it out is thing that people want to talk about is um, I, I don't have connections in the wrestling world and I wasn't a good wrestler. I don't really have a wrestling background. When I kind of started getting into this whole thing, people were like, who the heck is this guy? And, and that's, that's who I am. And um, the, the Willie trials was something where, never in a million years that I think I would have to cover some sort of legal trial, let alone try to understand it. And I still will tell you, I don't understand it. Uh, it's funny. Cause there was like a comment on the open mat where it's like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to like legal stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I have no idea. I didn't <laughs> sign up to do this. And so the Willie trial saying, I don't know. I really don't know what happened, but I knew somebody had posted on Twitter and I, I really wish I knew who it was so I could give them credit for being the ones to point this out. Um, they had posted like, Hey, if you want to watch the, the Willie thing, like here it is. And, and it happened to be a Monday and I have Sunday Mondays off. So I was like, all right, I'll watch it. You know, I haven't heard from Willie in a long time. Let's see if, see if we get to hear him talk. And it was just super fascinating. Um, just to hear the, the background of what goes on behind the scenes with whether it's a flow of wrestling or, or just Willie or Martin or rock fan, just to hear these guys talk about stuff that pr- they probably don't want out there. And a lot of times that's like, 
really entertaining to people like me. So I said, you know what? I don't know how many people are watching this. So let's, let's watch it. And then I'll do a recap video. And so I did that twice for the pre-trial hearings, which at the time I thought that was a real trial. And it turns out that was, <laughs> that was just pre-trial, like deposit, not depositions, but I don't know the legal words, but it was like pre-trial stuff. So those two videos did really well at the time. They were like in our top five most watched. So I said, okay, whenever the trial happens, I'll do it again. And so there was a long period of time between the pre-trial and the trial, the trial happens. And it was like, man, we're going to hear this guy testify, this guy testify. And people were just really interested in it. And so my thing is I wanted to watch it. And so the people like you or whoever who didn't want to take the time or don't have the time or just might not care, um, they didn't have to watch the amount of court footage that, you know, I had to go through to, you know, recap these videos. They could just watch my 10, 20 minute video on like, if you want to know what's going on, cool, here it is. If you don't, I totally get it. There's people in the wrestling world who don't care about any of that stuff. That's totally fine. But if you do care, stalemate show is the one for you. So, you know, I, I don't know. I thought that I thought the trial was super interesting and, and the things that came about it. Um, and I, and I think there was some good about it. I think a lot of people thought it was, you know, not good for wrestling and stuff like that. But I think in the grand scheme of things, you know, there's been a lot of good stuff that has come from that. Yeah, no, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, everyone loves a courtroom drama, especially when it's involving, you know, our small world of wrestling. It, yeah, sometimes it feels bigger than it is, but really it's, it's, it's pretty tiny, but I mean, it just goes to show how freaking cool the internet and social media is. If you put in the time and you do quality work, people are going to reward you, whether you're an insider or not. And I feel the same way, dude. This is the two-year anniversary about two weeks ago for the show. Dude, I total outsider like you. I don't even consider myself a journalist, you know, more so just uh, store, um, telling stories more so than anything else. And yeah. I heard you thought yourself the same way. You don't consider yourself a journalist. I don't, which is funny. I get crap for that because somebody else in the wrestling world, I'm not going to keep dropping names and stuff, but got a lot of flack because they said that they weren't a journalist. And then, you know, just last week, I don't, I think it was on the, either my interview or something I was doing. I said, I wasn't a journalist and they're giving me crap for it, but I'm not, I'm just a fan. And uh, I don't have any sort of, I'd say this all the time. I have the same, like, five sayings I say all the time. And one of them is like, I don't have connections in this thing. I don't have anything. And I'm not, and I'm not the guy that's trying to put something out there that's not out there. So um, everything that I talk about in my videos, everything that I do in any episode or interview I do, it's like, this stuff's already being put out there. I'm just telling you how I think, you know, about it and whatever situation. Um, and, you know, stuff gets leaked to me often. I'm like, man, I'm offended that you would think that I would just put that out there, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like I, that's not, if that's who you think I am, I need to change who I, you know, what I'm doing, because if you think I'm, I'm going to leak this or say this or do that, it's like, I'm only giving my take on stuff that's already out there. And I think if you're a journalist, you're somebody who, you know, might go digging around and, and you know, look up some stuff or put, bring something to light that might not be. And that's not really what I do. Dude, my, uh, my hero, the director of The Last Dance. Have you seen that documentary? I watch it all the time, yeah. Dude, I've watched like four times all the way through. The guy who directed that, you know, he did like 106 interviews. He interviewed MJ three times, and I've listened to every interview he's ever done. He's insistent that he is not a journalist. He's a storyteller. So once he said it, I'm like, we're in. Once yeah. you said it, I'm like, we're thinking about this the same way. Yeah, and I think journalists are, are you know, awesome I think need them. they're, they're amazing. And they do, they do stuff that I don't want to do. Um, but, but I'm just kind of, you know, I like to think of myself as just a hardcore wrestling fan that puts himself on camera, you know? 
Amen. And you have some some really creative ways of doing it. And you bring the humor in, which sometimes wrestling can be a little stodgy. Um, I caught some flack for saying we're a little PC sometimes. Yeah. Um, but you you bring the fun in. Tell me about the trip to Campbell. So you do some of these uh, these videos to kind of promo a wrestle off. Is that like re- part of your regular cadence or you just got to hair up your ass and said, I'm going out to North Carolina? Well, it's kind of one of those things that it's something that I I really want to do. The problem is there's no wrestling going on you know we started this thing in in uh like a week after um they said that there wasn't gonna be division one nationals last year and so there hasn't really been wrestling going on um and let alone i didn't really have access to it and it's just not it's just now starting and it's just now happens where we're starting to get you know people reaching out saying come out and do this do that and so it was like something that we always wanted to do the campbell the reason why it was campbell is they have a really passionate fan base down there and a lot of really good people um at that university and they care a lot about wrestling for a smaller school they care a lot and they reached out um an alumni did and said hey would you be interested in going down there and uh covering the wrestle offs and, and kind of giving some inside access to it and, and promoting Campbell a little bit. And I said, I'm in play. So, so they hooked it up for us. We flew down there. We were in and out. Uh, I'd never been to North Carolina before. That was awesome. And, and now, you know, since we did it with them, there's other schools, excuse me, there's other schools that have, that are reaching out that are like, Hey, we love that. Come here and do that. So we're kind of hoping that's what we want to do. Listen, man, I don't want to be in my basement till I'm freaking 30 <laughs> covering, covering, you know, wrestling Twitter beefs. I want to go out there and, and have fun and, and do those kind of interviews and, and do that style of stuff. So, um, you know, it's just all fun. It was awesome, man. And when you're in there, when you say we, is it just you out there? Or do you have someone filming and shooting all the B-roll as well? I have a, a business partner, my buddy Tyler. So he actually lives in Boulder, Colorado, which makes things kind of difficult. But, uh, you know, flights are really cheap right now because of COVID. So he's, he, sure. flies, he flies to Iowa. If there's something that we want to do that I'm like, hey, I, I need you here, um, he'll come out. And uh, he does a lot of the behind the scenes work for me. Like, as you know, man, there's so many, so much stuff you got to do, whether it's uh, making a graphic or, or making a clip or uploading, just uploading descriptions, all that. He's really good at, at helping me do that stuff. And, uh, so he came out, he flew out there with me and he was my filmer. Uh, we brought all our own gear. So stuff like that, we'll, we'll, we'll film ourselves. Um, and so it's, it's, it's good to have a lot of help. Is it just you doing it? Just me, man. Yeah. This is actually my, uh, this is my office. <laughs> yeah. Oh, whoa. I work from, uh, I'm in technology sales. So I work from home anyway. And yeah, you know, when I started this, I was like, I just wanted to be closer to wrestling and I was out of it for like six years. Um, but yeah, it's just me, man. Um, when I go, the last time I went to Oklahoma for this documentary I'm doing, I took my brother Tanner with me. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it's just me, dude, like getting up at four in the morning, driving to Des Moines, driving back in the same day. But I have a little bit of a control freak problem. So I need to to allow, you know, get off the reins a little bit and let some other people do it. But um, yeah, just me so far, my man. That's uh, the same thing with me. It's like, it's hard for me to ask for help from other people because it's like, I know, like, I know exactly how I want it. And so, um, it's sometimes it's faster if I just do it, you know, right. even though it's going to take me more time, I don't have to go back and forth with somebody like, Hey, do this, do this, do this. It's like, I know exactly how I want it and I can get it done, but just, so just let me do it. But you know, for, for me, it's like, sometimes I have, I need help. You know, I need help. Absolutely. And you said you're all, you, you don't work on Mondays and Sundays. I noticed just through Instagram, you're a barber by trade. Yeah. What I love just about researching you for an hour or so is that when you go into something, you're all in. Like yeah. you are freaking, you think of 
being a barber as a craft, it seems like to me. Yeah. So how, like, how did you get into that? And like, where, where are you at now with that? Well, it's, it's exactly what you said, man. I go all in. So I actually went to Iowa state for a year, got good grades. I liked it. College was a lot of fun. And then I dropped out because I just couldn't get myself to commit to go all in on it. And I know that when I like something or when I'm into something, I go all in. I spend every dollar I have doing it. I spend every hour thinking about it, doing it. Um, and, and for me, college really wasn't like I was trying. I was, I was signing up for the clubs. I was doing all the extra stuff. And my mind was just like, I don't really care. And uh, that's kind of the person I am. I'm not, I, I, you know, there's people who go all in on every single thing that they do. That's not me. I go all in on the stuff that I like and the stuff that I, that I don't like my mind could care less. And I, and I don't really want to do it. And, and, you know, I know this is a wrestling podcast and stuff, but, but wrestling was kind of that way for me. Like I loved it as a fan and I liked winning, but I didn't have it in me like every other guest on your show where they wanted to be the best, you know? Right. Um, and so I have to be very focused on anything that I do to be good at it. Um, I'm not naturally talented at a lot of things. I, I have to focus and be good at it. And so barbering was one of those things that, as soon as I kind of found it, dropped out of Iowa State, started, you know, fully focusing on that and, and trying to be the best that I can. And it's a job that I love. I've never had a day where I don't want to go do it. I, I want to do it forever. Um, and, and that's just kind of how I'm wired. I, I want to be able to focus and, and go all in on it rather than just kind of like, uh, you know, this pays my bills, you know. Dude, there's nothing more depressing and suffocating to me than the nine to five that you don't care about. Yeah. And that, that's, what's tough with, with stalemates is as it's growing, it's like taking up more of my time and, and which takes away more time from barbering and, and, uh, my, I'm recently married and it's like, you know, how do you, how do you juggle, how do you wear all these hats? But, you know, I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah, man. I mean, it's the way you're growing now. And I can only imagine you're thinking about this kind of how anyone who's in this game thinks about it. It's like, you got your your full length interviews, you got your social media posts. I mean, do you have a regular cadence where every week you're putting out episodes or what, how do you look at your kind of a month out planning wise? Um, I try not to plan that far ahead because well, it just happens that there, there keeps being drama and wrestling. And, yeah. Uh, I keep saying like the content gods are blessing us, you know, they're, <laughs> they, they keep giving us, whether it's a, a Pat Downey or whether it's uh the Dayton fix thing or whether it's, um, the Willie trials, whatever it is, it's like things, these things keep happening. But if you think about it, that's kind of how the wrestling world's always been. That's why the forums are so live because there's people that seek that stuff out and want that, that, that drama. Um, but we, we will be having, we will be announcing something soon that, uh, it'll be more of a regular thing, but we, we are doing at least like one video a week. Um, but it's It's tough for me to like plan something out in advance because a lot of our, videos are pretty topical so it's like sure, i sure. can't plan for you know something to happen you know and and three months from now or two months from now because you because you don't know uh but something like a campbell or the you know this other schools that we might be doing that can be planned out well it makes sense that's why the videos are doing so well is that it is relevant i mean that's one of the, the big things my man gary are you a gary v follower uh gary? formerly yeah i've read one of his books but recently i haven't been okay He's uh he's one of my inspirations, but obviously relevancy anyone knows that and and you're killing that, um, and so I noticed you got the hat, you got the gear. Where can folks support the show and find all that awesome merch you got on there? 
uh, our website, stalemateshow.com or stalemates.bigcartel.com. We, we promote it. We promote it, you know, everywhere. That's, that's one thing with like, I hope wrestling happens. Cause I want to, uh, I, I want to be able to go somewhere and see, and see somebody wearing our stuff, you know? And, 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 you know, I, you know, I don't know. I, I hope, I hope that happens. I don't know if it will, but yeah, you can, we have all kinds of merch on there, but that stuff's going to be changing shortly here too. Um, can't really talk about too much, but I hear you. Eventually it'll be a lot. Uh, right now it's like kind of mom and pop, you know, somebody, somebody the other day messaged me and be like, Hey, did you, did your wife write this label? Because that's a, not a, that's not a dude's handwriting. Like we're very much like winging this thing, doing it, doing ourselves, doing it, doing it ourselves. And, and hopefully that's going to be changing here soon. But yeah. are you mailing all of it or are you drop shipping it? I mail it all. So, oh I, my God. Yeah. It, Why? But, well, at the beginning, we were selling like two shirts a month. So it was like, <laughs> you know, it was like super easy. And then uh, the past few weeks, you know, our channel's gotten a lot bigger and, and now it's tough. You know, after this interview, I'm going to go package up a bunch of labels and hopefully get my printer working so I can uh, not write them out ourselves. But yeah, what do you do? I drop ship through uh, Printful. Okay. My, uh, my buddy runs this podcast called Talking Yanks. Okay. And he had been doing it for like two years and it's a Yankees podcast. Last summer, he caught something kind of like you're catching out. And he went to number two on Apple on all sports podcasts, second behind part of my take. Holy crap. And then he started, um, he started a team. He started another podcast called Talking Baseball. And now he's got like four staff members. He's wow. got Matt. If you go to his YouTube, uh, Talking Yanks, he's doing really well. And so, I just knew him when I was living in California. I, I knew him and I'm like, dude, I want to do that. What are you doing? And it was posting videos every day. And then once I started doing that and getting some growth, I looked at his online store and he goes, dude, keep it simple. Just go Shopify and Printful. So it's good because you don't have, to have any overhead, but you don't, it's not the same kind of quality control, but you know, I order everything before it goes live. Um, but you just, the, the boxing and shit was always so, I hate mailing things out, dude. Anytime we do a giveaway, I dread the part of mailing the thing out because I just hate going. So um, I may switch to what you're doing, but dude, it's a lot of work. It's it's a lot of work. I don't even know if it's worth it, man. Cause like, I don't think it is. That's what I said. I'm like, who cares? Who? Like we are making a little bit of money, but for me, it's not really about, it's not really about the money thing. It's like, like I said, I want to be able to go somewhere and see somebody wearing a stalemates hat or shirt or, or you know, just them su seeing that support physically on somebody is what it's about for me. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I got to pay for um, a stamps.com thing, a ship station membership uh, supplies. And then the actual merch itself is expensive. We've, we've made shirts that I thought I was going to, you know, freaking retire off of. I thought, <laughs> uh, I thought this like the Starwater one. It did really well. It's it's actually done a lot. It's done way better now. But for like a month after I made that shirt, we were like in the hole on it. And I was like, man, I thought I was gonna show up to Carver Hawkeye this year, and and their, <laughs> the whole arena would be wearing Starwater shirts during the Oklahoma State thing. And then that ended up not happening. But um, but yeah, I don't know. It's cool to have it's cool to have merch and stuff. It's just a lot of work, and and people don't. I thought merch was gonna be like. You know, I thought we were going to defy the, the wrestling world and, and not do subscription and, and, and not do paywalls or whatever and, and just live off the merch, but it's a grind. It's a grind, dude. And like you said, you make a little more money when you ship it yourself, but it's just such a pain in the ass. And, you know, we got so many things going on. But um, I didn't even know about this, the Stallwater shirts. Is that obviously Oki State, something in relation yeah. to that? Yeah, or I like talking about the story because it's a lot of fun. 
Hit me. Uh, so you said earlier that the uh, I'd say hot takes and stuff like that a little bit, which is true. Um, I made a video about uh, the date and fix situation. And if you watch the whole video, um, I didn't really, I didn't bash him. I was just kind of like, I said that he was like OJ Simpson because of OJ Simpson's defense was, you know, the glove didn't fit. You must have quit. Um, not saying OJ Simpson did it or didn't do it. I have, right. no, I have no idea. I wasn't there. Right. But the glove didn't fit, didn't quit, whatever is a pretty bizarre defense that happened to work kind of right. Right. And then Dayton fixed this whole situation. Um, the whole water bottle thing. I don't know if it happened. I don't know if that's true or not. It could be true. It could not be true. Usada eventually said that they believe him because they gave him a, a lesser sentence. Um, but I said that the glove defense and the water bottle defense are both equally bizarre. Whether <laughs> it could be, it could be true. It could not be true. I have no idea. Um, I'll give the, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say that it, it was true. So I made a clip where I said like, wrestling has its first OJ Simpson. Like this yeah. is a, such a bizarre defense story. Right. And to my own demise, I made that clip and put it on Twitter um, of, so I had like a 10 minute video explaining all that, right? If you hear it all, it's, it's crazy, but you're like, yeah, I understand what he's saying. But I made the clip saying wrestling has its first OJ Simpson and it's date and fix, you know? And <laughs> I put that on Twitter and Oklahoma state cowboy, uh, uh, one of their coaches saw it and tweeted it saying, I'm a clown, this and that. And then a couple of their wrestlers like jumped in. And so then we had this like stalemates and our fans or whatever, versus these Oklahoma state people. And they went back and forth and it got ugly, but it was, it was for me, that's, that's fun for me. Like, that's not, I'm actually, uh, became, uh, cordial and stuff with the one guy who started it. And, you know, we, we've chopped it up and said, yeah, we both came in kind of hot with what we were saying. Uh, everything's good now, but we ended up making a uh, shirts that said Stallwater Oklahoma as like an attack towards the Cowboys. <laughs> Also, keep in mind, I'm an Iowa State fan. You see it back here. So so it's all fun and games. I hope I can go to Tulsa one day or, or Stillwater and, and uh, not get beat up. But um, we made the shirts, and uh, I actually got the idea because I went to an Iowa-Oklahoma State duel uh, a few years back, and there was some Iowa fan that stood up and yelled, this isn't Stallwater. And I just like – this is like five years ago, and I literally like wrote it down like I'm going to use that someday. Someday I'm going to oh. use that. And, uh, you know – the Cowboys, they are what they are, you know? Dude, it's fantastic. And it, the thing that really caught my attention was that you were the only dude covering it at the time. For some reason, it was like a hot topic. No one wanted to cover it, and I don't understand why. And well, I could be wrong that other people were, but... I, I think it's it's about being first. And I talked to uh, to Tony Hager and, and Adam Fellers about this. Like, I I, I was the first one that, that did that, and then all of a sudden... Um, you know, Hager and those guys did. And I was like, you guys didn't get a single flack for it. And I did. And they're like, well, you were first. Like nobody wants to be first. Um, but at that time I had like 10 people listening to my show. So I didn't think, I didn't think anything of it. And then somehow got in the, the feed of the Cowboys and it just, you know, went like that, which is fine. I, I like, if I'm going to say that kind of stuff, that's going to happen. People aren't going to agree with you. And I'm totally getting, I'm totally fine with being called a clown. And uh, that's helps ultimately drive views for my show did, did i say it to drive views no did i make that clip to drive views yes absolutely so I, I agree like everything i said i didn't say it because i thought it was going to drive views but i did make that clip because i wanted people to watch the video to so they could see what i was trying to say 
Um, I'm with you. I, uh, I like it, dude. And that's, that's when I first realized, like, okay, kids saying some stuff. I love it. Um, you know, and I like Oklahoma state. I like, I like all wrestling, you know, it's yeah. not like it. That's the thing about wrestling MMA, maybe not so much, but in wrestling, you say something like that. You might be ostracized for years at a time from a yeah. program, you yeah. know, it could yeah. be life where people don't forget that shit. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, that's fine. Like, like I'm all about, you know, rivalries and and making things fun and interesting and and granted like you know what's the saying like if people don't care you know if people aren't getting mad that means they don't care Um, i'm not out here actively trying to make people mad you know but if i have something i want to say i'll say it and i and like i you know my whole thing is i don't have the connections that people have so so if if oklahoma state doesn't want to allow me to go to a dual meet I don't care. I can say the same stuff from my basement, you know, and, uh, and, and I don't have any problem with them at all. I actually, I actually like, there's nothing better. Like I go to, I go to the Iowa Oklahoma state duel every year and I'm a cyclone fan because I know that Oklahoma state fans are going to freaking bring it. I've been to Tulsa to big 12s and, and those guys, they freaking bring it. matter of fact, I want Iowa state to get to that level again, where we can be that, that freaking diehard for, you know, they, they made shirts with, with Dayton fix pulling Austin DeSanto's head off. You yes. know, they're, they're wearing them all over uh, uh, <laughs> the box center. Like for God's sakes, like they, that's, that's, that's exactly, you know, what I want to see. I love that. So if yeah. it, they're going to make shirts sure ripping my head off, go ahead. Well, especially now that we got Anthony or not Anthony, AJ Ferrari down there, he's going to provide a lot of entertainment for years to come. I love it. And, and whether you agree with what he's saying, uh, I know you got into the politics stuff, but whether you agree or don't agree, like people are now going to pay attention to AJ Ferrari. They already were cause he's a good wrestler. Um, and his, his, his media is his social media is electric city. Like if oh. you watch that stuff that, you know, it's, it's amazing. Like how he'll literally, he gave a speech at Thanksgiving dinner and I watched the whole two minutes of it. Cause I was like, <laughs> this guy's electric. It's, He's I'm, incredible. There's something, there's something about him that it's the same thing with DeSanto. There's something about these guys that, that you're just, you know, it's genuine and, and you just want to see how this, how's it going to work. And, and, yeah. Those are the people that the sport, I think, really needs to dive into and be like, these guys are stars, you know. That's why I was sad to see Pat Downey get ousted like he did. I mean, he said some things that no one agrees with. And, you know, I, I really don't know the full extent of it, but I just know that he's no longer a, a voice. And, yeah, maybe for the right reasons he's out of it. But, dude, it, he was uh, he was fun to, to watch and people would always watch him wrestle. So, yeah, I don't know what's going on with them. But have you ever have you ever had anybody uh, reach out to you like, hey, why'd you say this or, or why not? I know. I know you don't. Dude. Like, yeah, hot, but people get pretty sensitive about stuff. You'd I, you'd be surprised, dude. I grew up a diehard Iowa Hawkeye fan, and I still got a lot of that in me. But I was watching the Nittany Lion card last week, and you know, I was really impressed or two weeks ago, whatever. And I was really impressed with Gilman, and I'm like, Gilman's a new wrestler. All these Hawk fans jumped in, and they're like, "Oh, what does he love wrestling now? Because he's with KL." And yeah. I'm like, "Dude, I'm a fucking Hawkeye fan." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like, I said one thing about that a Nittany Lion announcer had said, so. Um, it's not as much like, like what you're saying there. I don't think I'd have the balls to say that about some of the, the fixed stuff, but that's why I tune into your show, man, and, and enjoy it. But yeah. once in a while, um, it's humbling. I mean, there's nothing more humbling though, when you put out an interview or a video and you think it's going to change the world and it's like, does the worst you've ever done. And you it's just you know, you go back to the bedroom for like a, a week and you're like, what the hell did oh, I do yeah. out there? You yeah. Know? I try to think there's a video that I made that I thought was like, Again, oh, I, I interviewed the Rob, uh, Robin Ficker, who's the Maryland heckler. Are you familiar with him? Uh-uh. So if you go to Division One National, do you go ever? 
dude i've never been i've uh i was gonna go this year i had tickets and everything yeah well if you ever get a chance to go do it because it's it's awesome but um jimmy sheptock uh when he was you know doing his thing he was number two in the country or whatever he got second and uh that whole year at um or that whole division one nationals that year the maryland heckler was there and he just he's just in your face <laughs> Just like literally he's been hired by Charles Barkley to like heckle Michael Jordan. Like this guy, <laughs> he's been on the Dan Patrick show and, and like, he's, he literally yells the whole time, headlock, chef talk and gets in your face and stuff. I really recommend you checking him out. But I did that interview. I thought it was one of the best interviews I've ever done. And, and I'm refreshing the views and I'm just sitting there thinking like, this isn't moving the needle at all. There's like 60 views and I think I'm 50 of them, you know? Right. But, right. Uh, there's no, but at the same time, it's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, for me, I try not to focus on the numbers. It's really hard because you put a lot of time into this stuff. But um, at the same time, you're like, you know, if you like it and and that's all, you know, that's all that matters. And I'll tell you what, there's there's interviews that I did in the very beginning that didn't really do anything. But some like one person saw it and then, you know, that got the attention of, you know, somebody else. So you can't always gauge it in terms of numbers, but it's hard. The Mikey England episode. Was that it? Uh, he is. That's my cousin. Do you know him? No, I just saw it was your first one. So I'm like, I got to listen to the dude's first one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's uh, my cousin. No, I mean, there were, there were some other ones. Like uh, one of my buddies, Gustavo Martinez, he wrestled uh, NAIA for Grandview. Like in terms of like overall, like things that I've done, that's not that big, but that got the attention of um, Eric Thompson, you know, cause he wrestled at Grandview and he's kind of, he's connected to Penn state. Like right. it's, you know, you never know. The tangled web we weave. Who's your, um, who's your, who's your, uh, who's your golden goose? My dream interview yeah. or yeah. Dream interview would probably be DC or nice. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to go over to Dagestan with a translator and just sit down with a mic for two weeks and just interview all those dudes. So so you're, have, you're really big in the international stuff then. I love it. Yeah. I love, uh, I've always been fascinated with history and I, my dad was a cold war just he loved talking about it and so at a young age i was obsessed with the soviet union the cold war and um just like how intimidating it all was and then you know once i got to interview sergey i was like holy shit dude this guy is living in the united states i got to talk to him and so that just kind of furthered my interest and the 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 world championships that hooked me was like 2018 and andy rovat was on the call and he was just talking about how you know dagestan and osetia it's all part of russia and i never even heard of these places before. And so I started looking into it and I was like, holy crap, dude, like even if they're wrestling for Georgia or Azerbaijan, they're actually from one of two places, you know, like Osetia or Dagestan. And it doesn't matter if it's Khabib or Zabit or whoever, dude, all these cats are coming from there. I'm like, what the heck is going on? So just been fascinated by that part of the world. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get more into the, uh, the freestyle stuff. Like, again, I'm like, I'm a diehard college wrestling fan. So a lot of the, like I watch the big tournaments and, and, you know, uh, world team trials and the U S open and stuff. But with these RTC cards, I'm starting to really get into freestyle a little bit and, uh, it's a lot of fun, but DC is DC would be cool, man. Have you ever, do you, are you, are you close to getting that at all? Well, he's been on my show once. So I had uh, an episode a while back called the Gator wrestling club story. Okay. Um, do you remember the Gator wrestling club? Um, no, but it sounds in, familiar. In 2004, they were like the Titan Mercury. Okay. They had Guerrero, um, Jamil, DC, and then uh, Terry Brands was at U Tennessee Chattanooga. And so all the Tennessee Chattanooga guys were in it. And so it was kind of like Gator was like a, a super club, not as big as Foxcatcher, but 
it had the best guys, right? Mm-hmm. And so Guerrero was texting me. He's like, hey, do you want to get on talk about Gator? I'm like, dude, I would have done anything just to say hello to you. The fact that you want to get on and talk wrestling, fuck yeah, you know? So yeah. I get on with him. He's like, let me invite Jamil. Let me invite DC. And I'm like, oh. trying to act cool. You know, I'm like, yeah, call him up. Call up DC. <laughs> yeah. So we get on the Zoom and Jamil and Guerrero show up and they start telling stories because the Gator Wrestling Club was founded by this guy in Louisiana, some rich cat, and he had this old abandoned building that was converted into this kind of wrestling house. And so Guerrero was talking about how Terry Brands would come down there and it'd be John Smith coaching Guerrero wrestling Terry, just crazy stuff. Yeah. So we're like 10 minutes into this Zoom interview, DC hops on and takes over, like <laughs> just starts telling stories and, um, you know, so it was awesome. And he may or may not remember me from that. Probably not, honestly, because it was really just Guerrero and Jamil Kelly talking, talking stuff. But, you know, I would love to have DC back on. Um, yeah, that's got to be the dream one for me, dude. What about you? Um, I mean, for a long time, it's been Kale, but Kale is, I honestly don't even think I'm, I'd be ready for that because he's, he's a killer. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and uh, you know, it would also be one of those things I would want to sit down and do, give him, I call it the Tom Brands treatment now, where I sit down in person and do that. Um, you got to do that in person if you get that one. Yeah, he does have like a, a sense of humor, a dry sense of humor, and I, and I can kind of have that too. Um, but it's also one of those things like you, you just don't know, you don't know, uh, if he's, if he's joking or not. And, right. you know, I don't know if I'd be that good at it, but I mean, I don't know. It's tough. Like a lot of minor topicals. So like right now, like AJ Ferrari, <laughs> like that's who I would want, you know? Uh, but, but too, like a lot of the college athletes are tough because they don't know what they can and can't say or what they should and shouldn't say. We're like, coaches they know exactly what they can say and exactly yeah. what they can't say because they've been doing it for so long um so i've had a policy to not interview the college guys for but some once in a while they'll slip in just because they're so i just really want to talk to them but i just know that if someone interviewed me when i was 20 i would look back at it when i'm 30 and be like you are the biggest dumbass like what yeah. were you even yeah. saying you know so i don't want to be the guy that puts some 20 year old kid on the internet for the rest of his life so i try to get guys who are older and honestly they just have guys or girls They just have better stories once you're out right. of college. But, um, right. I mean, I think there's been some college guys that come on, but I, it's not a, it's not, it's probably like less than 2% of the interviews. Um, yeah. if I had to think I feel like you too, or your, your thing is like, you, you do a lot of, uh, like historical things. Like, right. you know, you, you're almost like building a, you're almost like building a catalog or a library of like, like everybody should have a, an interview with you to just, just to have their story on record, you know? Um, I know my neighbor, my neighbor's a a really big fan. He's, he's a, um, high school wrestling coach here in Iowa and uh, a really big school. And and he was like, right away, he was like, um, have you heard of this show? And I'm like, Oh oh, yeah. Well, actually at that time I had it, um, because I was just starting off and I didn't didn't really know that much. And then, um, got, gotten to know you a little bit. And then, uh, the other day I was like, Hey, I'm doing uh, your show, you know, I'm doing that show that you like, and he's super pumped about it. And so that's why, that's why I started to kind of pay attention to you because he's a big wrestling fan. I'm like, okay, so who, who are the people that I should be paying attention to? And and I feel like you, um, I don't know what your numbers are, but I feel like in terms of popularity, you got to be like the number one, uh, just strictly podcast, right? I hope so. Yeah. I think, um, you know, looking at where it's gone from like two years ago, yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, obviously, flow is huge, and you know, but everyone has their own niche. And kind of like you, when I started, I launched a podcast called A Wrestling Mind, and I did five episodes, and then I buried it. 
And then I took like three months and I'm like, you know what? That's not what I want. First of all, it's too close to wrestling mindset. I didn't even know what wrestling mindset was. (laughs) And so I canceled the name. I restarted the show and I'm like, I just want to make something that's a hybrid of my two favorite podcasts. My favorite is Joe Rogan, Far and Away. And then number two, Tim Ferriss. Do you know who that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, Tim's a little bit more surgical. Joe's a little bit more laissez-faire. I tried to blend the two of them, you know, where it's talking about things I'd I'd actually ask you if I was sitting with you at a bar. You know, I think sometimes interviews are a little too scripted. And so it's really just what I actually want to talk about is what I ask people. And I think whenever you're yourself, there's a certain niche of the world that, that can appreciate that. And that's obviously why, you know, we're doing well, you're doing well and, and all is good in the world, man. Um, do we yeah. got eight minutes? I got to ask you these three questions I wrote down. Can we hit them? I got all the time you want. Yeah, dude. TJ Seabolt, how can you live with yourself not having a Centerville legend on the stalemate show? Yeah, I don't even know if you know him, but when I was growing up, that dude was terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I was saying about earlier when I said we're a wrestling town is, uh, yeah, TJ. Um, first of all, I'd love to have him on show. I actually just got a, we just, we, uh, shirt swapped. Last nice. Week. But, um, he might've had one of the best careers you could have for that 2000s era wrestler. It's tough because I don't like, it's like a lot you, people either really know his story or they don't. And, uh, he's somebody that, uh, I would, he's like probably our most suggested, um, somebody to do something yes yeah yeah so it's one of those things it's like i want to really take my time if we're going to do something and do do it do it right um but yeah i actually trained trained at tj's for a week he probably doesn't even know this if he listens to your show it's be the first time he probably hears this um this is back when he was doing his his uh he was doing his stuff in the basement of his house that like he grew up in and um there was like four of us down there at this particular like week of practice. And, uh, that's probably early on when I found out I'm not, I'm not about that champion lifestyle. (laughs) And, uh, and I say that in like a positive way for him, like, you know, I was like, yeah, that takes, that takes a certain kind of person to, um, to live that life. And, and, uh, and he's what he's done now is crazy, you know, cause he's all business though. When I'm looking at his facility that he's got now, um, and it's not too far from Des Moines it, to, to what I remember, like training in, in his basement as a second grader. It's like, that's awesome. You know, dude, just another, uh, another sign of positive growth, man. If you put the time in, he, uh, only reason I know him is that there was, when I was in high school, there was this kid, Pat McCaffrey that he, had one guy. Yes. He, but he went to high school in four diff- three or four different States. And every time he would just wreck people, he came in, went to Montini freaking one Fargo everyone's like, who is this kid? Yeah, and then he goes terrible. to Iowa and lives with Seabolt. I was yeah. like, what the heck? Two, uh, yeah. two animals, dude. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. That's a name that, that a lot of people, uh, might not know. But when I was a kid, like I looked up, it was like TJ, um, uh, Pat McCaffrey, Nick Pickroll, um, Tony Loveson. Like there was a bunch of these guys that were like superstars and they were living in Centerville, just, you know, just dominate. I would go watch TJ just like, just wreck these kids, you know, these local kids from these local high schools that are barely even have a wrestling team and, and they're wrestling Dude. TJC, but one of the best in the country. And, it, and I remember thinking like, man, I'm going to dye my hair bleach blonde, like TJ's doing. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to wear two pairs of socks and fold one down. Like TJ's doing, I'm going to take, yes. I'm taping up my singlet and put an S on that thing. Like TJ's doing. And then I uh, found out I don't want to train like TJ's doing. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, yeah. they, uh, Pat McCaffrey, the Illinois people will know this. The Illinois message board is Illinois Matman. And 
that was like the Mecca. I'm sure it still is, but there was this documentary that someone did on uh, McCaffrey and his dad because his dad would like make him sleep in the backyard with yeah. nothing but a tent and a can of soup for like two days. Yeah. And someone got word of this and they're like, something ain't right over there. I mean, if, if Pat or his dad are listening to this, we're saying this in the most complimentary terms possible as a wrestling fan, but people were awestruck by this kid. And uh, anyway, that's the TJ Seabolt tied in. Did, I got did, to, go one, ahead. More, one Pat McCaffrey thing. This could be a legend from when I was a little kid, but did he live in Russia or something? He, so the summer between Pennsylvania and Illinois, his dad put him on a plane to like Dagestan or Ossetia. And he went over there for like three months. That yeah. was true. Yeah, and he was crying at the terminal. His dad pushed him down it, dude. This is this was like the high school, middle school Illinois tournament folklore for years, dude. And yeah. I was on his Fargo team. He yeah. he showed up like 20 over. Like in the day before, he was 10 over. And then Bormet was our team Illinois coach. He's like, dude, this kid, you know, you know, kids who are like, if their dad's really strict, when they get away, they're wild. Yeah. It was like that. And he showed up at Fargo camp and was so overweight. Then he went on to win it, but he never warmed up. Just just crazy shit like that. Yeah, I mean that was that was one of those rumors that were like, yeah, we got this new kid Pat McCaffrey who uh, like wrestled in Russia, and I didn't know if it was just one of the you know like Bo Jackson did this, did that. That's what I thought <laughs> for sure, dude. Um, two more for you. I know you're a McGregor fan. Who you like in McGregor Poirier? Conor McGregor. I mean, I've I've lost a lot of money on Conor throughout the years, but I've also won some money on Conor throughout the years. I'm a I'm a huge Conor McGregor fan. He's like really the only reason why I'm like super into him. And man, I've only been into it since like 2015. I mean, I used to like, if I was like, oh, Daniel Cormier is fighting this weekend, I'll watch that. But um, once Conor started fighting, um, I would watch a lot of cards. Then you get to know the under uh, the undercard fighters. And then now it's like I watch it every weekend. But um, I think I think Conor's in a good place. Um, and Dustin Poirier is really good too. But um, people forget how good Connor is because of how bad he got beat by Khabib, but it's like, it's Khabib. And plus, I don't think, I think that you could make an argument that Connor was probably in the worst spot in his life at that point. You know, he was partying and doing everything else that he shouldn't be doing. And, and now he's a lot bigger. He's, 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 there's a theory going around. He's got a shaved head right now. And, and if Connor comes out with a clean haircut, he wins. And if he comes out looking shaggy, he loses. So <laughs> um, keep that in mind. Dude, there we go. I, I love nothing more than to see Conor McGregor fighting every three months. I mean, he, to your point, always been a fan of it just because Militage is from the Quad Cities, which is where I'm from. Yep. But he brought me back in and I hope he, you know, him and John Jones and all those guys get back into it. Yep. Um, last one, dude. Where in the world did you get that orange sports coat that you wore for the Campbell show? That's my, my last question because that thing is bright orange. Uh, I got it, uh, on Amazon for like 40 bucks. As soon as like we booked our flight, I bought that right after that. And <laughs> the plan was to wear it out there. And, um, actually the original plan was I was going to be like an honorary coach for, um, the wrestle off. So I think what Campbell normally does is they do, uh, you know, the wrestle offs and then that way their coaches aren't coaching against each other or yeah. against an athlete. They just bring in like, you know, the football coach and the volleyball coach and they, you know, they're sitting in the corner pretending to coach. And so originally that was the plan, obviously with COVID things changed and, and uh, I don't know, something else changed, but I ended up doing a totally different video. And uh, so I didn't even bring that suit out there, but yeah, I got it on Amazon and it was also like way too big. I'm really skinny. And, and this thing was just so baggy. That I was like, I can't, I can't wear it out there or nor am I going to get a $40 Amazon suit tailored. <laughs> it was choice, man. It just goes to show. And the reason I brought it up is that your creativity is awesome. Uh, I'm a, really excited that you're in the wrestling world, man, and, and doing this. 
everyone can find you stalemates it's everywhere and if someone's living out in des moines they want to get their hair pieced up how do they find you uh, we i have a we we do all online bookings um but we stay pretty booked up like i i think you can't get in for like four or five weeks so um, what's it called though it's called paramount barber and cow yeah paramount barber and co only had one person uh i've had one person walk in and what's like what's up stalemates and uh I, it was the first time anybody's ever done that. And I remember I didn't even know what to say kind of thing. I was, I was like on my phone going through Twitter and something and someone walks by like, what's up stalemates. And then I was just like, thanks man. Like I didn't even know what to say. <laughs> he didn't even say anything. He didn't say like a, a compliment. He was just like, what's up stalemates. I'm like, Hey, thanks. You know, I didn't even know, but yeah, dude, I love it. Well, I guarantee you that's going to happen more, man. I'm a big fan from Chicago. And if you're ever up here, let me know. And I hope to cross paths soon, brother. Yeah, if you ever need somebody to, to hit record and make sure that your mic's on, let me know. And all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text WRESTLE to 555-888. That's WRESTLE to 555-888. You can also find us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life, Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner, as well as our website, WrestlingChangedMyLife.com. Take care, y'all.